Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm glad we had all that prayer. Amen. I feel like the Lord wants to be released tonight. Amen. How about those who are facing that way? Why don't you turn your chair around uh, just, just so it's not that awkward for you. Um, and I hope everybody has an outline. Do you have this outline called Serving the Lord for the Building Up of the Church, Part 2? <clears throat> that means there was a Part 1. Uh, last week, right, Brother Chris shared. Uh, he shared about the first two points on this outline. <clears throat> so we didn't uh, put all the verses there from last week. We just put begetting and feeding. Uh, <clears throat> but I want to give just a brief review, and then we'll hit the next two points of serving the Lord, which are perfecting and prophesying. Now, uh, firstly, I wanted to point out Something in this title, okay? Serving the Lord. You know, a lot of Christians everywhere want to serve the Lord. But it says in this title, serving the Lord for. For. you got to circle that word for. This means there's a direction to this service. Okay? It's for the building up of the church. Some people are serving the Lord for this. And some people are serving the Lord for that. But what about serving the Lord for the building up of the church? And the church is His body. We need to see, brothers and sisters, that the Lord has a direction today for His move. And the direction of His move is the building up of the body of Christ. And it's the preparation of the bride of Christ. And it's also the bringing in of the kingdom. Actually, all three of these things are very much interrelated. But anyways, in the title, we didn't put all that. We just put serving the Lord for the building up of the church, which is his body. This is what the Lord is interested in. And we can actually see this from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end of Revelation. That our God has a move and the direction of his move is right here. It's for something. It's for the building. For the building up of his body, which the church is his body. We don't want to come to the end of our life and meet the Lord and the Lord, and, and we cry out, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name, we did that in your name. And the Lord says, like in Matthew 7, there, he says, I never knew you. I never allowed you. You never consulted with me. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. You know, to be lawless means to do something without law, to be without being governed by, uh, by the Lord, right? We don't want to have that end, right? Where the Lord says, I never knew you. I never allowed you. I never permitted you. You never asked me. You never consulted with me. No, we want to be in line with the direction of the Lord for his move, for his building. Uh, and so our service, brothers and sisters, needs to be lined up with God's direction. And he's interested in building up the church. You know, actually, that's the greatest prophecy in the entire Bible. In Matthew chapter 16, the Lord said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That implies there's going to be some struggle. There's a warfare going on because two kingdoms are clashing, right? I will build my church. He's, he's going to do it. But all of our service, all of our work has to be in that direction 
for the building up of the church, which is his body. Um, Before we get into the two uh, points tonight, I I wanted to kind of recap some of the things. Actually, I wasn't here last week, so I didn't hear what was spoken, but I can imagine what was spoken. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Uh, And I wanted to to do a little recap using the two verses, or sorry, the, the four verses at the bottom of the page under that line. These are from Acts chapter 2, and in the first two verses, 41 and 42, we see that the church had just been initiated with the Jews. This was the day of Pentecost. Peter preached the gospel. The Spirit was outpoured. 3,000 Jews got saved, and they were baptized. And then look what it says in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the teaching and the fellowship of the apostles, and in the breaking of bread and the prayers. Well, what is the teaching and fellowship of the apostles? What is the teaching and fellowship of the apostles? The teaching and fellowship of the apostles is the new covenant ministry, which is embodied in the New Testament. If you have a New Testament, hold it up. Okay, see that book back there? That is the New Covenant ministry. That's the New Testament. The teaching and fellowship of the apostles is the ministry of the New Covenant. And this ministry, brothers and sisters, it ministers God into our being. It imparts God into us. That's what the New Covenant ministry does. And these brand new believers in the first church, the church in Jerusalem, were meeting day by day, and continuing steadfastly in the teaching and fellowship of the apostles. They were having God dispense into their being. Praise the Lord. There was an impartation of God. This is the new covenant. In the old covenant, God was outside of them. But the new covenant is God imparting himself into us. And there's a fellowship and a teaching uh, surrounding this new covenant ministry that ministers God into us. Well, what does it look like when a group of people are enjoying the teaching and fellowship of the apostles? A group of people are having God imparted into their being. It should look like something. And what it looks like is our work and our service for the Lord. That's what it looks like. God dispenses himself into you and the spontaneous issue is a service that's for the building up of the church. You see? And actually, in these verses in Acts, they continue, and I just put 46 and 47 here to see the result. What does it look like when people are enjoying the new covenant ministry, having God imparted into their beings? Well, it says here, day by day. You know, the Christian life and our life of service for the Lord is a day-by-day life. It's daily. It's not week by week, Sunday by Sunday. Every day we need to be in the dispensing of God, having Him impart Himself into us. Actually, all of our work and service for the Lord is just the overflow of the God that God imparted into us as we enjoyed the new covenant ministry. (laughs) That's all it is. So day by day, we need to be getting God dispensed into us so that there could be a daily overflow of Christ 
And then it goes on, day by day, continuing steadfastly with one accord. I need to, I need to tell you something, brothers and sisters. To have one accord, it's absolutely impossible without having God dispensed into our being. There's no way. It's impossible. You know, mankind is trying to do this with the United Nations. <laughs> but even with the United Nations, it's actually the divided nations. But with all of us, you just look around the room, all different kinds of cultures and backgrounds and races and so forth. How could we be in one accord? There's only one way, that we would be a group of people who are enjoying the teaching and fellowship of the apostles, which is the new covenant ministry, having God imparted into our being Amen. day by day, yes. every day. Amen. That's the only way we can be in one accord. And then it says they were in the temple. That's a large facility for a large gathering. And it also says they were breaking bread from house to house. So in small ways, you know, the houses today are much larger than the houses were back then. So they were meeting in their homes, a little group here, a little group there, day by day, enjoying the dispensing of God into their beings. And look what it says next. It says they partook of their food with exaltation and simplicity of heart, praising God, having grace with all the people. You know, the, yes, they were in their homes day by day eating some physical food. But it says with exaltation. That means that the focus was not the food. The focus was Christ. Amen. They were partaking of their food with exaltation. Simplicity of heart, praising God. And even it says, having grace with all the people. What is grace? What is grace? When, when I was growing up, uh, we'd set the table, we'd sit down to eat, and my mother would say, nobody's going to eat until somebody says grace. That's a very low understanding of grace. If you read the New Testament, you see that grace is just God himself enjoyed by man. It's Christ. Christ is God, and He's available for us as food to partake of. So when it says they were praising God, having grace, you could say having Christ. The meatloaf and mashed potatoes was not what they were having. They were having Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord Amen. with all the people. And the Lord added together day by day those who were being saved. Right there is begetting. Chris talked about begetting last week as part of our serving the Lord for the building up of the church. Firstly, begetting. And it's very interesting. It doesn't say anything about preaching the gospel here. It just says they were meeting together day by day uh, in one accord. They were partaking of their food with exaltation, focusing on Christ, praising God, having Christ with all the people. And the Lord was just adding... You know, our begetting of others is just the overflow of all the enjoyment of Christ, all the dispensing of Christ. We're eating Christ day by day. We're enjoying Christ being imparted into us as we gather together in the homes in larger ways. 
And as Christ is being dispensed into us, there's an overflow. And the first thing that happens is the people around us get saved. Hallelujah. Because Christ is flowing out of us into them. They can't help but get saved. Praise the Lord. And I wanted to read two other verses that are not on the sheet. This is, you can write this down. Romans chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. You know, they were day by day in their homes, eating, partaking of food. That's not the kingdom of God, the physical food. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Yes, they were eating and drinking, but that's not what we're talking about. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. As they were in the homes eating their food, partaking of their food with exaltation and simplicity of heart, praising God. There was righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the very next phrase says this in verse 18, for he who serves Christ in this way is well-pleasing to God and approved by man. This is serving Christ to gather together in the homes day by day, partake of our food with simplicity of heart, with exaltation, praising God. This is service. It's serving Christ. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's pleasing to God. It's also approved by men. That's why in Acts 2, it says they were having grace with all the people. It's well-pleasing to all the people. Amen. Well, once people get saved, once Christ overflows from us into others, they need to be nourished. They need to be fed. And so Chris talked last week about feeding as part of our serving the Lord for the building up of the church. People get saved. Christ gets imparted into them. They get regenerated, born again. And then we need to feed them so that there can be some growth, right? That they could grow unto maturity. Um, And with feeding, listen, I don't want to just be a person that feeds you Christ every day. If If I give you some food today, I feed you for the day. But then tomorrow, I have to come back and feed you again. See, eventually, I want to help you feed yourself. I want to help you learn how to touch Christ and enjoy Christ and get God dispensed into your being day by day. The Peace Corps used to have a motto or an advertisement where they said, if you feed, if you give a, a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach him how to fish, you feed him for life. This is what we're doing when we perfect people. See, this is the next part of our service. Three says perfecting. We need to not just feed people. We need to teach them how to feed and how to feed others. Right? So that they could do what we do. If we're people who are enjoying the teaching and fellowship of the apostles, we're getting Christ dispensed into us, we're enjoying the Lord day by day with the other brothers and sisters, we we want to not only feed others, but help them feed themselves, and help them to feed others, that they could do what we do. This is perfecting. 
And perfecting is mainly in three areas. A says in life, we need to perfect people in life. We need to perfect them in the truth. And we also need to perfect them in service. So in life, uh, let's, let's read the verses here from 1 Thessalonians 2. Okay, go ahead, everybody. But we were gentle in your midst, as a nursing mother would cherish her own children, just as you know how we were to each one of you, as a father to his own children, exhorting you and consoling you and testifying that walk in a manner worthy of God. See, the result is that you might walk in a manner worthy of God. So to perfect others is to help them do what we do, to teach them to do what we do. Don't just give them a fish. Teach them how to fish. Teach them how to touch the Lord, uh, you know, to get the life that's really life. We were just fellowshipping in the last couple hours with some young brothers, and we were telling them about calling on the name of the Lord. You know, the teachings that we have in, in the Bible are so profound. I mean, you think about it. The almighty, eternal God has worked out a way to dispense his life into us that we could actually be begotten of him and become children of God. Wow! <laughs> that is profound. Malik, you are a son of God. The, the one who created the entire universe. You're his son. <laughs> Isn't that profound? But the practices in the Bible are so amazingly simple. I mean, you think about this one little practice, calling on the name of the Lord. We were, uh, you know, some of us have been in Romans. I don't know if you all are on the reading schedule in the New Testament, and we're in Romans. Uh, and this past week, uh, we were seeing that we have been transferred out of Adam and into Christ. That is an objective fact. You've been transferred. You're no longer in Adam. You're in Christ. But the experience uh, or the experiential side that we need is to be transferred out of the flesh and into the spirit. Well, how can we experience that transfer? Getting out of the flesh and getting into the spirit. Did you know that just the little, tiny, simple practice of calling on the name of the Lord will transfer you out of the realm of the flesh where the law of sin and death is operating and into the spirit where the law of the spirit of life is operating? A little call. And we saw a bunch of verses that connect these two things, calling on the Lord and being saved. You know, to be saved is to be with the Savior. And the Savior is not in the flesh. Where sin and death are, the Savior is in another realm. In the Spirit, right? We call. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Lord is rich to all who call upon Him. You want the riches of Christ? You're not going to find, Reese, you're not going to find the riches of Christ in the flesh. In the flesh... There's just wretchedness. That's what Paul says in Romans 7. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? I want to be delivered. But the riches of Christ are in the Spirit. 
So it says in Romans 10, 12, when we call on the name of the Lord, the Lord is rich. Amen. Rich. Yes. That means we just got transferred out of the flesh into the spirit simply by calling, oh, Lord Jesus. Amen. Jesus is Lord. First Corinthians 12, 3. It says no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Are you in the flesh? Are you wretched? Are you experiencing the law of sin and death? Just call Lord Jesus and you will get transferred into the Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Such a simple practice. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. We get transferred. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Well, we need to teach people to call in the name of the Lord. Just try it. You know, we just help people. You know, some people might think, oh, that's kind of awkward. That's weird. Even they grew up in, in Christianity. They still think it's awkward. I never. What is this calling on the name of the Lord thing? That's weird. Even though it's everywhere in the Bible, 88 verses in the entire Bible. Yeah, I counted them. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it shouldn't be weird to us it should just be normal Amen. calling on the name of the Lord why can't we help people call on the name of the Lord and to do it on their own do it during the day do it when you're walking to class do it when you're driving your car do it when you're taking a test under your breath, right? You don't want... <laughs> Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, right? You'll be fed. You'll be supplied. You'll be nourished. We need to help people to do this, and we need to help people to teach others to do this, right? Imagine if, if 50,000 people on this campus were calling on the name of the Lord. Probably the Lord would come back. <laughs> Then it says we need to perfect people in the truth. Right? In the truth. Let's read Proverbs 23, 23. Go. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Well, if you have to buy something, that means it's, it's valuable. It has some uh, worth to it, right? You're not going to pay money for something that's not valuable. Anyways, the truth is valuable. We need to buy it. And... Um, you know, we may not have enough money to buy the word. How much do you think it costs, Alex? Well, it's probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you might not have enough money to buy it. <clears throat> How much is a human life worth? Who can, nobody can put a price tag on the human life. But the human life is measured in time. It's about 75 years. That's a human life on average. It's priceless. Those 75 years are priceless. But the Lord wants you to give a little time each day to get into the Word. Spend time in the Word. <laughs> Just a little time to get in the Word to touch the Lord in the word, this is to buy the truth, to give a little time. 
That's the price that we pay. We, ha we use our time for all kinds of things. We use our time to play video games. We lose, use our time to, to surf the internet. We use our time to, you know, on and on and on. How about using some time? And, by, and those things are worthless. You know? <laughs> They're going to pass away. The Internet's going to be over. Could you, you know, I grew up in an era when there was no such thing as the Internet. But there's an era that's soon coming where there also will be no Internet. <laughs> that means it's worthless. It's worthless. So we're just wasting our time, which is priceless, on something worthless. But we should use our time on something that's priceless, right? The Word of God, it says, is eternal. The Word of everything else is going to pass away, but the Word of God stands firm. Uh, so to spend time to buy the truth, uh, this is very important. And I would, even, even as young people, we need to spend time, spend our time to buy the truth. Get into the truth. Um, <clears throat> fellowship with others about the truth. Everything out in the world is just a lie. We need to know the truth, right? Um, 2 Timothy 3.17, let's read this together. Go. That the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. Well, we need to be, you know, without the truth, without the word, we're not complete. And we have no equipment. You want to serve God? You want to serve the Lord for the building up of the church? You need proper equipment. The equipment is the Word of God. It's the truth. And we need to take the time to gain the truth that we could be fully equipped. And then uh, 2 Timothy 2.22, go. Which you have heard from me through many witnesses, these commit to faithful men who will be competent to teach others also. Okay, so on the one hand, we need to dive into the truth. We need to spend our time to, to learn the truth, to gain the truth. Uh, but on the other hand, it says here, it's not enough that we would just store it up for ourselves, right? We need to commit the things that we've gained to others. It says to faithful men who will be competent to teach others also. There has to be a transmission, a passing on to the next generation of the things that we have bought, uh, the priceless things that we've gained of the truth. We have to pass them on. If, if we can do that, you know what? There's some measure of perfecting in us. If we can teach others, uh, then, then there's some measure of perfecting in the truth with us. And then also in service, let's read this verse. Paul wanted this one, Timothy, to go forth with him. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number. Amen. So <clears throat> this is a very good principle for us to learn that when we're engaged in the service of the Lord, we should take someone with us. Take a younger one with us. Because there's so much that is conveyed um, through a kind of a apprenticeship <laughs> than you can ever write down in books. You want to learn how to plumbing, how to do plumbing? Well, you can read the books and take the test and get an A. But we're not going to send you over to this building in UT to fix the plumbing. 
until you've spent a good number of months or even years doing an apprenticeship, going side by side with a professional plumber and learning all the ins and outs of plumbing. So Paul took Timothy with him, a younger brother, uh, and eventually Timothy was perfected in service. Okay, now let's move on to the last point, prophesying. Um, Some may consider prophesying to be a foretelling of the future, but actually that's an Old Testament understanding. The New Testament understanding is that prophesying is to speak for the Lord and to speak forth the Lord. Uh, Prophesying, brothers and sisters, is an extraordinary kind of speaking. It's not just speaking uh, some inspiration that you got. You read the the word or you listened to a message, you got inspired and you stand up and speak that. That's not prophesying. Prophesying comes out of eating and digesting and assimilating the word of God. And you can tell the difference. You can tell the difference when someone is what they are speaking. There's an impact. Even it says in these verses in 1 Corinthians 14, when someone is prophesying, the church is being built up. Christ is being dispensed, is being ministered. You see, it says here, he who prophesies builds up the church. The only element that's useful for building up the church is Christ. So in our speaking, we need to uh, speak Christ one to another. We need to come to the word, to feed on the word, to chew on the word, to digest and assimilate the word, get it constituted into our being, and then speak it forth. That will build up the church. Well, maybe so, but that's not prophesying. Prophesying is to speak. It has to do with opening our mouth to speak forth Christ. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, it says, For you can all prophesy, one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. There's another verse in this chapter. It says that he who prophesies speaks encouragement and consolation and building up. Well, Christ is the real encouragement. Christ is the real consolation. Christ is the real element for building up. When we prophesy, we're speaking forth Christ and the church is being built up because Christ is being imparted. So anyways, in our serving the Lord for the building up of the church, we need to be in the teaching and fellowship of the apostles. That is, we're in the new covenant ministry We're getting Christ imparted into us day by day. And then that Christ needs to overflow. It needs to come out. And it comes out in the way of begetting. People are getting begotten of God because Christ is flowing out of us into them. It comes out in the form of feeding. Right? What are we going to give people to feed on? We have to give them Christ. The Christ that came into us that we fed on, that we enjoyed, that we assimilated. It needs to flow out of us into someone else to feed them. That they could be nourished and they could grow. And then it also looks like perfecting. Not just that we give a man a fish. We don't just give Christ to people. We teach them how to get their own Christ. How to enjoy Christ. How to labor on the good land and 
and till the soil and gain Christ themselves. And then to give that Christ to someone else, right? To do what we do. And then finally, they get brought on all the way to the point of prophesying. And prophesying generally is when, at least in the context of this chapter 14, when the whole church comes together and all are prophesying one by one and some unlearned person or unbeliever walks in and they just have to declare God is among you. God is here. They see God. You know, sometimes I've, I've been on this campus for 30 years and I've been talking to people about the Lord and sometimes I'll meet a person that says, ah, if God is real, show him to me. Have you ever had that happen? They just say, show, show me the Lord. If, if he's real, show him to me. Well, I'll tell you what. You come to a prophesying meeting of the church and people are overflowing Christ, speaking Christ. They will fall on their face and they'll say, God is here. Amen. God is among you. Amen. They'll see God. Amen. Anyways, this is the fourth aspect of our service. Serving the Lord for the building up of the church. Prophesying. We need to practice prophesying. You know, it's it's interesting. Prophesying is a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. But it says here that all can prophesy. All can do it. You know, I I like to preach the gospel, but I'm not a, I wouldn't say I'm a gifted evangelist. I'm really not. I've met some people that are, and I've actually walked around the campus with some that are. (laughs) And I can tell the difference. They're a gifted evangelist. I am not. But I can practice. And I can do the work of an evangelist. I can carry around some gospel tracts and share the gospel with people and give them a tract and help lead them to pray to receive the Lord. Um, Well, the same thing with prophesying. We can all practice prophesying for the building up of the church. And not only so, we can help others to do the same thing. We can help others to do the same thing. So anyways, praise the Lord. Uh, This is our serving the Lord for the building up of the church. Uh, And we're serving the Lord according to his direction, right? This is the direction of the Lord's move today. He's building up the church. He wants to consummate a building in this age so that he can come back. Amen. Well, I'm going to end here. And I think uh, we've been using a little time to group up, right? Just to have some fellowship about these points, and then maybe after uh, 10 minutes or so, we'll come back together and just have some, we'll have some overflow. We'll we'll have some more grace with all the people. Amen. Amen.